Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. It's good to see you've returned yet again to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a bizarre item to show you indeed. If you'll take a look over here on the wall, this is a, a mixed-media painting that depicts what looks like a god of old. It's a, a very female human form sitting cross-legged, but the head is that of a gaping with tentacles and eyes and things that are not of this world. This is a depiction of something that is not of this world, yet you might find this depiction in this world in an old pyramid, in an ancient cavern, on a broken shard of a clay pot, or maybe... If our subject to today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop is any indicator, quite possibly in the stall of a rest stop men's room. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Shudder film, Glorious. Now, for many of us, Glorious came a little out of nowhere, but those who have been to this year's Fantasia Film Festival uh, are, are very well aware of this film uh, directed by Rebecca McKendry. But for, for myself, who was not at the film festival, I was uh, caught unawares until I saw this was being released on Shudder this past Friday. And really didn't seem to be a lot of fanfare for this, uh, considering the, the names attached to this. Uh, of course, uh, Rebecca McKendry, uh, not terribly familiar with her. I know she had a, a small part in one of the episodes of Tales of Halloween back in 2015, one of my favorite Halloween anthology films. But uh, she does have a a film came out in 2017, All the Creatures Were Stirring, which it's one of those movies that I have not seen, but it's it's always been on my radar. So probably now I'm going to have to go check it out and seek it out because of what I witnessed with this film, Glorious, I, I'm really excited to see other things from Rebecca McKendry. But it's not just her involvement in this that uh, really uh, should have got the the attention of people. It's the actors involved because this this is a very contained film, a very self-contained film, not a huge cast. It really boils down to the work of, of two characters and two actors, one of them being the main character of this, Wes, played by Ryan Quanton of uh, True Blood fame. Uh, he was more recently in the in the series on Amazon Prime, Them, which I was not a huge fan of that. It, the story was just really uh, weak and lacked a lot of coherence. Uh, but the acting in that was fantastic. The look and everything. And I don't believe I did an episode on them because I think that came out before I started doing this podcast. But I liked the acting. I liked the look. I liked the feel. I liked the direction of the show. I just thought the story was really weak and not very well thought out. But uh, Ryan Quanton, one of his 
character, his character, the milkman in that was that storyline was really interesting and creepy. And I, I'm just a, a bit of a fan of his. I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of his uh, just because I haven't seen a ton of work that he's done. But the things I have seen, especially in the genre realm, uh, are things that I have enjoyed. So he's one of those actors that uh, I, I like seeing him show up and things and when I do I'm always kind of glad to see him there and always enjoy his performance and the other actor playing opposite of Ryan Quantin is J.K. Simmons uh, now he is in this only in voiceover uh, because he plays the voice of a character that we'll get into a little bit later but uh, one of the things I found really compelling about this is the fact that I saw J.K. Simmons name attached to this and when you read the brief synopsis of this story, you learn a lot about who these characters are. And and the, the synopsis uh, pretty much goes like uh, glorious centers around an extremely hungover man, Wes, who survives a not-so-glorious uh, symptoms of hangover in a public restroom when he begins to hear a strange and ominous voice uh, played by J.K. Simmons coming out of the stall's glory hole. Wes is pulled into a trip that no one will believe that is if he lives to tell the tale. And so that really said a lot to me that this voice coming from this glory hole was going to be J.K. Simmons. So we weren't really going to get a physical performance from Simmons, but we were going to get a vocal performance from, from J.K. Simmons. And J.K. Simmons has one of those voices that you just, you know who this is when, when you hear his voice. And it really gave me a lot of hesitation at first because I'm like, oh God, I'm going to hear this voiceover and all I'm going to think about is the farmer's insurance commercials. I was afraid that's all I was going to be able to think about whenever I heard his voice. Uh, either that or if he got, you know, kind of gruff and terse, maybe the J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> performance of his from the uh, from the marvel stuff so there is a little concern there there was also some concern about this being a shutter original now i've been uh, a subscriber to shutter for for about a year now and i mainly got shutter because of creep show uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be quite honest, but I have enjoyed a lot of the movies. You know, they get a lot of the old classics from time to time. Right now, there's a a glut of Stephen King based uh, adaptations, a glut of George Romero stuff, a glut of John Carpenter stuff. So there's a lot of really good content on there. And every once in a while, I mean, Shutter gets a ton of originals. They purchase the rights to distribute a lot of stuff that normally wouldn't get a theatrical release. And a lot of these films are what you would expect. Uh, low budget, B-horror quality, uh, the acting's not great, the directing's not great, the writing is suspect. So, you know, it, it's kind of a get, you get what you pay for sort of scenario with a lot of Shudder movies. But then every once in a while, Shudder gets a hold of Diamonds in the Rough or even, not even Diamonds in the Rough, just some real gems. And I think Glorious is one of those rare gems that Shudder got a hold of that I think other studios kind of missed out on. 
because while this is a this is a lower budget movie, uh, I don't know what the budget was for this, but I but I have to imagine they were on a very tight budget, a very small budget. But what they did with this budget is commendable because Rebecca McKendry did a fantastic job with probably what little means she had available to her because there's a lot of CG in this and there's a lot of practical horror effects that were done quite well I thought uh, you know it, it is you can tell it's on a budget but it was done well enough for what limited means I'm sure they had and it was done well enough that it really didn't take me out of the movie which I mean that to me that's saying a lot if you can do inexpensive CG and inexpensive effects and it not may take me directly out of the movie it can keep me engaged and focused on what's going on and being in the moment that's a real credit to to everyone from the director on down to those doing those special effects so like I said this really ha I had a lot of reservations going into this because this this could have been horrible this could have been just a you know kind of a cash grab for for Ryan Quanton and J.K. Simmons, they could have been doing this just to get a paycheck. This was filmed around COVID, uh, the starts of COVID. So, you know, they may have been just looking for work, but nobody phoned anything on, on this at, at all. So uh, my my fears were quickly assuaged as to the quality, uh, as to the content, and as to the level of where this movie was going to come in at. And I think everybody involved really brought their A-game with this. It's, of course, a labor of love for the people involved. Uh, Rebecca McKendry. The original screenplay, the original story was from a gentleman named Todd Rigney. The screenplay had some work done on it by uh, Joshua Hull and Rebecca McKendry's husband, David Ian McKendry, who's uh, done some work with Fangoria. And so, you know, everybody really brought a lot to the table. The actors brought a lot to the table. Uh, Ryan Quanton and J.K. Simmons really brought uh, their A-game. Even even the bit players. I mean, there's a couple other... I, I can't even really call them secondary characters. There's one maybe secondary character, a couple other tertiary characters that uh, are, are, are brought in. But they even do a really good job. They're, they're no-name actors, uh, or at least none that I've ever heard of, uh, at least that I can remember. But but they all do a really good job. So from here on out, we're going to get pretty spoilery. So if you haven't seen Glorious, I encourage you to go check it out. It's not a long film. It's not even an hour or 20 minutes. Uh, we're talking about like 79 minutes here, so just under a buck 20. So you're not going to invest a ton of time watching this. And the, it goes by, the pacing is pretty good. It doesn't go by quick uh, because you are uh, with essentially one guy stuck in a bathroom for the whole movie. So things can kind of not drag out, but but there's not a lot of action to keep the pace banging and banging and banging forward. But it's by no means a slog to get through, and it's by no means laborious to get through. And yeah, you're gonna you're not gonna waste a bunch of time. Uh, this is a pretty quick movie, and so go enjoy it, check it out, and then come back and listen to this and listen to my thoughts about. Uh, what goes down in this but if you don't mind spoilers then we're going to power on through so usually how i do this i kind of break down the story through the lens of what each character has going on but essentially you you've only got one character in this that that we're 
Introduced to right off the bat is Ryan Quanton's character, Wes. He's driving down this highway and he starts off with this really weird dream and he's kind of falling asleep while he's driving. So right off the bat, you realize this guy's got some issues because right? some of the dreams he has are effed up dreams uh weird shit uh we see this woman we see these bizarre images and this bizarre imagery that are they'll make sense later on but right now when you're starting this movie and when you're introduced to wes uh, you don't know what's going on and you realize right off the bat that this is probably not a very reliable narrator for this story because we see this story through the lens of Wes, through the eyes and, and through the uh, perception and experience of Wes. And he, like I said, is not a reliable narrator for this. Right off the bat, you learn that. But he stops at this rest stop and we find that like his back seat is full of a bunch of crap. Uh, he's, he's left somewhere quickly. Uh, he's broken hearted. He has this teddy bear that when you squeeze it, it says, I love you. And it's essentially... Uh, you find out he's been through some sort of breakup and he is upset about it. You don't know much other than that. You don't know if he broke up with somebody else. They broke up with him. You almost feel like maybe they broke up with him because he's very torn up about it. So you almost feel sorry for him in that regard. He stopped at this wet rest stop and we meet this character named Sharon, played by Tordy Clark. And, and she does, a, for, for what little she's on the screen, she adds a bit of unease and a bizarre nature to this character that she plays. Uh, she almost feels like she's got this otherworldly vibe. And later, I think maybe it's implied that this character is a part or an extension of the character that J.K. Simmons plays. But uh, she essentially implies to Wes that, uh, you know, if he's going to spend the night there, he better clean out his back seat. And she leaves so that's all we really get of the sharing character but like i said the sharing character added a bit of otherworldliness to this she didn't seem quite right we see this area where she's standing there's this little bit of slime on the on the foliage at her feet and just something doesn't seem quite right about her but wes ends up spending the night at this rest stop he finds this this brazier or fire pit whatever and starts a fire and starts burning uh, a lot of the shit clothes and things from his back seat he has this red box that he opens up and is uh, full of mementos and he's burning all these pictures all the while drinking crazily and he ends up in the morning hungover somehow his pants came off and got burned in the fire so uh, he he walks into this this rest stop men's room in nothing but his button-down shirt his boxers and his socks and he pukes his brains out and i get it they they want to they don't want to have to show the effect of the puking uh because that's just more money for effects so he really gets his head down into the toilet and i'm like the whole time i'm thinking i don't care where i'm at i am not putting my face that far into a toilet let alone a dirty stinky skeevy rest stop toilet <laughs> so 
And they kind of play off that later because once uh, J.K. Simmons' character starts talking, Wes realizes that he rubs his eye and he's been touching this toilet and he's not sure what he, you know, what sort of crap he's got in his eye now. And the J.K. Simmons character starts talking about the fecal matter, the bacteria, the semen, and all the things that are actually, you know, in his eye now that he's touched the toilet and rubbed his face. But it was a, a quite humorous section, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So we find Wes in this men's room stall. And in this stall, it's really weird because the painting that I depicted in our little intro about the, the female form sitting cross-legged, but with the head is this kind of gaping maw with these tentacles and these eyes on the ends of them and eyes all around it. Uh, that is the picture drawn or painted on the inside of this restroom stall that that Wes finds himself in and in the middle I can't remember exactly where the hole is I don't think it's in the like the mouth of the creature but somewhere there is a glory hole for those that don't understand glory holes uh, I would say look it up on the internet but you may regret what what you may find do not do it at work I Swear to God, you're going to regret that too. But at any rate, uh, there's this glory hole. And as he sits there, uh, there's a voice coming from the other stall, almost seemingly coming from this glory hole. And it is the voice of J.K. Simmons. And to really get down to the nitty gritty of it, uh, J.K. Simmons comes across as this guy in the stall next to him. But the more and more Wes talks to him, just trying to be polite, uh, but not really being down with the whole stall conversation, he finds out that the voice that J.K. Simmons uh, is playing is a demigod. I'm probably butchering this name, but uh, but this demigod's name is Gatanatha, which he refers to, the West character refers to as Gat for the, <laughs> the remainder. And that's probably what I'm going to be referring to him because that uh, name is, is quite difficult to say. Uh, it, there is quite a funny scene where the J.K. Simmons Gat character tells Wes to hold the tip of his tongue and say, got another one. And that is actually how you pronounce his name. What comes out when you do that is is how you say his name. And he's a, a stickler for having his name pronounced right. But Gat tells Wes this story of how there is this god out in the universe and this god had many children and the children attacked this god and the blood spilled from this god by his own children uh sprung forth life and humanity sprang forth from the blood of this of this cosmic god and when the god healed he wanted to destroy the life that his blood had created but the children of this god did not want him to do that so the god created another child a child that would bring destruction on humanity and it, it turns out that Gat is this demigod, this uh, child of the greater god that is supposed to bring death and destruction to humanity. But for some reason, he has come to like humanity and he doesn't want to destroy humanity. But he's stuck in this physical form and he needs Wes to do something for him so he can return to his ethereal form 
and evade his father and humanity is saved because if uh, Gat's father finds him uh, because he's stuck in his physical form, Gat's father will make Gat uh, destroy humanity. And Wes is left with the conundrum: uh, Does he? Does he sacrifice? You know, he, he's pretty sure he's got to sacrifice himself to save humanity, but he doesn't want to die. Uh, he's trapped. Gat has him trapped in this rest stop restroom, and he can't get out until he finally does what is asked of him. Uh, primarily, he has a choice, but he doesn't really have a choice. There's a scene where. Uh, somehow, I can't remember exactly how, but Gat is weakened and the barrier that he's, he's put up, uh, around this, this restroom, uh, around this rest stop, uh, is lowered and the manager of the rest stop, uh, Gary played by, uh, Andre Lamar, uh, comes in and he doesn't last very long because he is eviscerated by <laughs> by Gat and this whole time Gat is warning him not to let Gary in uh, but Wes does it anyway in spite of the fact that you do have Wes portrayed as this sympathetic protagonist through the bulk of this movie you do get little glimpses where he does make a lot of selfish self-serving decisions uh, even though he was told not to let Gary in he he did it anyway he's told that the universe will be destroyed humanity will be destroyed if he doesn't do what Gat asks of him yet he can't bring himself to save humanity by doing the right thing so right off the bat there again you you get this sense that he's not what you think he is he's not a very reliable narrator for this story and he might not even be a really good guy and if you see the movie poster for glorious you see ryan quanton holding a somebody's leg <laughs> and you find out, I mean, I remember looking at that thing and what the hell is going on that he's got a leg and holding it like a weapon. And it is Gary's leg, in fact, that uh, that Wes does, he doesn't use it as a weapon, but he tries to beat down the door with it, uh, much to his surprise. A leg is not a good tool or implement of destruction towards breaking down magically sealed doors. But that's the basis of this movie. It is this conversation between Wes and Gat about what is going on and why... Wes needs to make this decision to help Gat out. The only thing Gat asks is that Wes does not look through the glory hole. Wes does not try to open the door or look over top or underneath the stall. He, Wes can't look at him in his physical form because he is so hideous that it would drive a man's mind to insanity to be able to look upon a creature like this. And there are several times where Wes tries to and Gat punishes him, whether it is with a booming voice that, you know, shatters the ears or whether it is to uh, give him visions of things that have been or maybe are not yet to come and scare him that way. Uh, some of those scenes were, were really interesting and a little unnerving. It, it really brought some tension and some, some fear to this whole film. Because this isn't just a horror. This is a horror comedy. And, you know, a lot of times I'm a little ambivalent when it comes to horror comedies. Because I really do want, like, some straight-up horror. And too many times uh, you get 
directors that want to do horror comedy. They want comedy mixed in with their horror. And I'm like, what's wrong with just having something really scary? But the one thing I liked about this and what the writing team and what Rebecca McKendry did with this is that there was horror, there was gore, there was blood, there was amputated legs, there was blood showers and all of this. There were some really tense, creepy moments uh, when you had things going down with Gat and his father showing up later. You had some really horror-centric moments, but they sprinkled in some moments of comedy. And it wasn't like, oh, here's a little quick one-liner, here's a joke. Uh, they, they had some really funny moments, like when Gat is telling Wes about the story of his father and why he needs Wes to help him. He keeps trying to start the story, and then it will cut to Wes. Uh, he has to pee. And every time Gat restarts the story, it cuts to Wes still peeing. And it, it just, it was it was fun. It was superfluous. It didn't have to be in there. It, But it, it made a scene that really felt like it was going to be tense. And then you had that tension immediately broken by Wes peeing. And then you start to build up the tension with the music and with J.K. Simmons' voice. And it's immediately broken by the cut to him peeing but then we finally do get the story which kind of goes into this really interesting animation that we see the story being told kind of animated on the walls and on the inside of the stall when when Wes finally makes his way back into the stall and so that was really cool seeing this animation seeing this depiction of what is going on as uh gat or J.K. Simmons is telling this story. But this whole time, we keep getting these flashbacks, whether it's just Wes remembering, whether it's him dreaming. We have flashbacks of him and this ex of his, Brenda, played by Sylvia Grace Krim. And we get little pieces here and there of their relationship. We get the introduction when they first meet where he's kind of staring at this other girl, but she comes up to him and is telling him, uh, she's not your type and he's essentially uh or, or is that because you're offering you know that sort of deal and they spark up this relationship we get that we get a little taste later of something that went down during the breakup where she she tells him i think you said i was different uh, you get little pieces of the puzzle and then it really comes to a head at the end because gat has finally convinced west to to do what he needs to do to to help him and there is another funny part and it's it's played for some really i think earned humor because this whole time gat keeps telling west that i need you to satisfy my physical form there's a part of you that I need to satisfy my physical form. And being that there's a glory hole there and that Gat is on the other side of this glory hole, you have to think, like Wes does, that he wants the glory hole used what glory holes are used for. <laughs> and then when, when Wes finally decides that he's he's going to do this, he is going to, to help Gat out, he goes up and sticks his dick in the glory hole and, and Jake here and J.K. Simmons voice like what's that I, I don't want your penis it was so funny 
And like I said, I, I'm not a big fan of horror comedy, but that was such an earned joke given the setup and all the inferences that were made to that being what Gat wanted. It just, it really made for a funny bit. And then to find out that Gat only wants a piece of Wes's liver. And that, you know, Wes can survive with 25% of his liver. Whether he will survive the public rest stop restroom surgery with a piece of broken mirror, uh, whether he survives that, that's another story. But he, he does it. He cuts himself open. There's a really weird dream sequence with with Brenda and these other women's hands kind of tearing at him, putting their hands in the hole. It was a real gross and creepy uh, practical effect that I thought was really uh, well done. And then, of course, you see this tentacle come out and suck out part of the liver that Gat needs. And Gat staves off his father and takes his ethereal form. But not before we find out the reason why Wes broke up with Brenda is that he is a serial killer. And the woman he was staring at is a woman that he was planning to kill. And he ends up getting into a relationship with Brenda. I don't think it's ever really implied whether he was going to kill her or not. Uh, when she tells him that she loves him, he doesn't seem very confident in being able to reply in kind. So maybe it's implying that he was eventually going to kill her. But she ends up finding his little red box where he keeps his trophies and keeps Polaroids of the women he's killed. And she realizes what he is, and he is forced to kill her. And then when we meet him at the beginning of this film, he is on the run after having just killed his girlfriend. And he probably did develop feelings for her, because that is why he is so upset over it. But to find out that he is a serial killer, and this whole time you think, oh, this poor heartbroken guy, now he's being terrorized by this god who's got him trapped in a rest stop restroom. You realize that no, he's not the good guy in this. And we get a, a bit of that from the Gat character played by J.K. Simmons, where you know he says uh, he'd like to be able to help him. But like Gat, who is a being created for destruction, West too is a being of destruction. And beings like that don't deserve to, to live, essentially, to, to survive, to exist. And you also realize that Gat has kind of orchestrated this whole thing because throughout this whole movie and throughout his conversations with Wes, Gat has implied that uh, this has happened for a reason. He has chosen Wes to fulfill this, this ritual that he needs to take on his ethereal form. This has all happened for a reason. He has chosen Wes for a reason. And you think maybe it's because Wes is some person of virtue. Maybe, maybe it's because he feels sorry for Wes and wants to give him some greater cause. But no, you realize that he understands that Wes is a serial killer. Wes brings nothing but destruction to the world. Uh, and, and Gat understands what, what kind of power that is and that uh, Wes needs to be taken out of the world. So he's not a sacrifice because he's of great virtue. He's a sacrifice because the world would be better off without Wes. Uh, so it was, it was a very interesting twist, I think. Not a twist that I didn't see coming in 
in some regards, I I figured that Wes something happened to Brenda, and it is well it was Wes's fault, and that's why he was kind of on the run. That's why he was kind of so manic at the beginning. That's why he spent the night before you know drinking. You knew there was something wrong. Something had happened. It wasn't just a breakup. So I, I knew something was coming. Uh, did I see that he was going to be a serial killer? No, I didn't see that coming. But but you, you figured he had to do something with the demise of Brenda. Brenda was no longer there. And there was a reason for that. Uh, and, and I liked the, the kind of twist that you know made him a, a serial killer. Because while you... You knew right off the bat that this was not a reliable narrator. You still got drawn into the sympathetic aspects. You know, Ryan Quanton comes across as a a decent guy, and he can really uh, portray a bit of nice guyness. And, and I think that's one of the things. Uh, listening to some interviews and reading some interviews with. Rebecca McKendry is that that's one of the reasons why they picked Ryan Quantin for the West character because they wanted an every guy, uh, a guy you could sympathize with, a guy that you could relate to, and he could pull on those heartstrings that that you need to to kind of suck people in to really feeling and caring about this character when it turns out that they're not a very sympathetic character when it all boils down. And that's one of the things I thought was really interesting about choosing J.K. Simmons as the Gat character, because like I said, when I first heard he was playing this disembodied voice that we're going to be hearing, I thought, oh, Jesus, all I'm going to think about is the farmer's insurance commercials while I'm while I'm watching this. And maybe at first it kind of felt okay, this is J.K. Simmons, but the more the movie went on, I really forgot it was J.K. Simmons and just found myself in the moment with this character and believing that this voice was a god. And and I liked listening to Rebecca McKendry talk about, uh, again, why they hired J.K. Simmons and the fact that he can, he can play that sort of very cordial, very kind, very comforting the kind of voice that can bring you in, make you lean in closer. Uh, he's very cordial and very formal and very polite to begin with. Because, you know, why would you want somebody that people think is creepy, of a creepy, weird voice to begin with? That doesn't draw people in. It's kind of like uh, one of the things I, I didn't like about the new it movies is that pennywise is creepy from the beginning he's not a fun uh, lovable looking clown from the beginning he looks he looks weird and that was the thing about pennywise in the story of it is that he he drew kids in uh, being this lovable dancing clown and then that's when he bit your arm off uh, that was the same thing with J.K. Simmons. Well, J.K. Simmons' Gat character is not the malevolent god-like being that it is. Uh, he does want something from Ryan, and you draw more flies with with sugar than you do with vinegar. So he he draws you in with that with that very calm, soothing voice of his. But then when there were moments where Wes was trying to look at him through the the peephole, through the glory hole, when he was trying to look at him over and under the the stall, when he tries to open the door, you 
feel the full force of J.K. Simmons' booming voice. And that's one of the beauties of using a guy like J.K. Simmons because he does have that range of voice where he can be very soft and soothing and draw you in, but then he can he can belt out some lines with force and fury that make you believe that, oh yeah, this is a demigod. This is a godlike being with real power. And he has a powerful voice that can pull off that as well as, like I said, the softer grandfatherly type of tone that he starts off this character with. Another thing I learned about this film that really, it didn't, it didn't occur to me until I heard Rebecca McKendry talking about this, about the, some of the themes that she was trying to convey in this, some of the philosophies. I mean, there's, there's notes of, you know, toxic masculinity, things of that nature in this movie. But one of the things I really liked and that she even said that they, they kind of went out of their way is to have these philosophical ideas and these themes without beating you over the head with it. And I was reading some, some articles where she talked about how they had different takes that were a little more overt and were a little more preachy. But they backed off of those and went with something a little more subtle. And that's one of the things I like about this movie. And I like about uh, horror movies in general because they afford you the opportunity to really say something if you have something to say. I mean, there's nothing wrong with just having a horror movie just to scare the shit out of you. There's nothing wrong with that. I actually prefer that. But as a person of the world... And a person of society, I understand that, you know, sometimes some social commentary needs to be made. And I think horror movies are a great way to do that. Now, granted, you have some directors and some writers that just want to preach and beat you mercilessly over the head with some sort of moral tale, some moral to the story, some social issue, or like I said, social commentary. They just want to repeatedly beat you over the head with it, which to me, that's more horrifying than some of the horror on the screen. I just, I, I don't want to be preached to. That's what I loved about this. And I love movies like this. They have something to say. They don't come right out and say it, but they... They essentially lead the horse to water, but they don't make the horse drink. They say, here it is, drink if you will. If not, that's okay as well. Because I think that is the point of anyone who creates something, whether it's horror or any other genre, and they have something to say. I, I would, to me, I would think it would be more satisfying to be able to say something, say it enough to where you get people thinking, you get people talking about it. If you have to tell people, you must do this, you must think this, then you're not really creating a dialogue. You're not changing people's hearts. You're just trying to change people's minds and people's minds are, are very fickle. And changing people's minds never comes out nuanced. It's more like, you will think this because this is wrong and I said so. There's nothing advanced about that. You're not letting people come to their own conclusions. Uh, you're not making people contemplate anything uh, in their own life. And that's what I want. I want things that make me think. I want things that make me talk with my wife about bigger issues. Maybe I find that I'm off base about something, or maybe I, I find that I can look at something uh, from a different perspective, or or maybe, you know, if, uh, if I disagree with somebody about something, maybe we can find some common ground. But 
discourse, talking, that, that's important. Creating art that starts conversations and gets dialogue going is probably, to me, some of the most important art out there. And you don't get that enough these days. You get too many people wanting to preach and tell you what to think. And like I said, that's what I loved about this movie is because Rebecca Kendry could have easily said, this is the point I want to make and I'm going to beat people over the head with it until my point is made. But she didn't do that. She took the more subtle approach. She took the more delicate approach. She took the no more nuanced approach and left things to be talked about and you know discuss amongst yourself sort of scenario which i love that and i respect the hell out of that and i hope she continues that trend because i like movies that make you think i like movies that make you talk i also like movies that just scare the hell out of you and while this movie didn't scare the hell out of me it was full of some scares it did have some uh, scary elements to it. There were some some moments where, like, you know, I got the chill on the back of my neck. Uh, whether it was a turn of phrase from from J.K. Simmons, whether it was that creepy art on the side of the inside of that that stall that Ryan Quanton, uh, the West character, was in, it just looked odd and bizarre and creepy. Uh, whether it was that, whether it was some of the flashes of of this character, and even at the end when we finally do see the physical form of Gat, and when we finally see uh, his father come in, like I said, the the special effects, the CG wasn't fantastic. I've seen better before, but I certainly have seen a lot worse in bigger budget movies and i i was really i really enjoyed some of what they did with some of the green screen cg that they brought in it it really was effective uh it wasn't like i said wasn't great but it wasn't bad either it didn't take me out of the out of the moment out of the movie or out of this this experience so uh my my hat's off to that but there like i said there was some creepy creature design this is a very Lovecraftian tale. It's not directly a Lovecraft story. I know the Gatanothoa is a creature, a a god from Lovecraft lore. He is Cthulhu's first son, I believe. And I don't think this is meant to be that character directly, but more of an homage to Lovecraft. And and I loved all of the cosmic horror elements of this, which is very much a Lovecraftian thing. All the, the creepy purpley pink light uh, was very much... Uh, like color out of space, that sort of thing. Very much leaned into some of those old, great uh, Lovecraft stories. The idea that if you looked at Gat and and saw his true physical form, that you would go mad. That's a very Lovecraftian thing. So many of Lovecraft's uh, creatures and gods were such that if a mortal laid eyes on them that would drive them instantly mad and that's one of the things i thought was really cool about this because this was really a very lovecraftian story without telling a lovecraft story so all in all i really like this i thought you got two really solid performances out of ryan Quanton and jk simmons which i you know, I kind of expected that from them because those are two quality actors. But they really, you know, when they, they could have easily just phoned this in because, like I said, this was being filmed during COVID and 
they're just looking for a paycheck. They could have easily just phoned this in, and they did not. They really brought their their A game. Ryan Quanton played the West character with this undertone of insanity because of all the things he had done he's slowly driven himself mad and this experience with this demigod has just kind of pushed him over the edge and and, and pushed him past uh the point of sanity uh but then he he gets his shit together he keeps it together because he's a he's a serial killer he's been a survivor he knows how to control the the inner uh mania to a, to a degree. So so watching him play back and forth between the calm, cool, collected, quick-witted Wes and the office rocker, I'm slowly going mad, uh, Wes, was, was quite fun to watch. J.K. Simmons, like I said, the juxtaposition between the sweet, kindly, uh, gentle voice that draws you in and the big, booming God voice that instills fear was, was fun to see him play those those two things back and forth like i said some of the other uh smaller bit roles were were done quite well they were actors i wasn't really uh that familiar with but but for what little they had in this uh, they did a fantastic job and and like i said this is only an hour and 19 minutes it's not a long movie it's not a trudge to get through this it's paced well enough uh you are stuck in this restroom for almost the entirety of the film and you rarely get outside of it and it really can play on the claustrophobic aspect of that uh i think if if he were to be stuck in the stall i think that would have felt more claustrophobic but you really just to keep some interest on the screen you had to let him outside of the stall at, at some point so i get why they did that it didn't play as much into the claustrophobic uh, nature of this situation as i thought it might but the dialogue was so engaging between Gat and Wes uh, of what's going on here, who Wes is, what's going on with these flashbacks, what happened to him and his girlfriend, Brenda, uh, that it was a very short movie. But for a movie that didn't go anywhere else, this was was paced pretty well. Uh, I was quite happy with the pace of it. Uh, it didn't feel like it drug out at all. I could have been made a little shorter. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you could have cut out some of the comedy, the peeing scenes and things like that. But this was a horror comedy. This It was stated that way from the get-go. And you really had to understand that, yeah, they're going to have to have some of those comedic elements to kind of break the tension. Uh, and then I thought they did a good job of, of creating tension to break. Uh, I enjoyed that, the atmosphere of this, this dank, stinky men's room at a, a rest shop was was done very well i heard some people complaining because it, oh it's on a, you can tell it's on a sound stage well yeah you you can't go to a public restroom and film it and make it even remotely work for film because restrooms are echoey and the lighting is horrible they had to they had to create a a bit of a controlled environment uh to be able to do this film properly so yeah was it on a sound stage sure but it was a good representation of a public restroom and it looked like it smelled horrible like many public restrooms so when i can sit there and smell what's going on inside the the movie on my tv 
Uh, I, I think they did a pretty good job, and I can forgive the fact that they didn't film on fucking location. So yeah, like I said, the the action, the direction, uh, the pacing was all well. The the acting was well. The the special effects were really good for for low budget effects, and I really enjoyed this movie. And then, like I said earlier, this makes me really excited to see more of what Rebecca McKendry. Uh, has to offer because she doesn't have a huge resume when it comes to films uh, she's only got a couple like feature length films to her name but I, I think sooner or later a studio is going to come knocking and she's going to get a bigger budget and i can't wait to see what she can do with a bigger budget because she's she's proven she can do a lot of good things with a smaller budget so i'm i'm really excited to see Maybe I know, I know she said there is a couple uh, Disney properties, uh, some properties uh, based on old video games that she would like to do if Disney ever came knocking. Uh, I, you know, fingers crossed she gets that opportunity because uh, I'd like to see what she could do with some, some Disney money. So there you have it. That's my look at the Shudder film Glorious. This is one of the reasons why I kept Shudder. You know, I got Shudder because of Creep show the the series and i'm like you know i'm gonna keep this it's got a lot of old good movies that i can go back and watch but it's when shutter comes up with some original content like this that keeps me hanging on and it holds out hope to keep shutter until the next season of creep show comes about because uh, every once in a while you do get really good films like glorious and make you know, Shutter's not a terribly expensive streaming platform to to get. So, so I encourage you if you don't have Shutter, check it out because if you love horror, it really is kind of a must-have because you do get a lot of the great classics. You do get some some new content, some original content. You get Creep Show. You get stuff like Glorious that is really makes it all worthwhile when it comes down to it. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Shudder is not paying me to say that. I just I just really enjoy the service, and I really enjoy uh, films like Glorious, and I'm glad Shudder's... Uh, you know, not everything Shudder puts out is top quality, but sometimes you get, like I said, not a diamond in rough, but you get one of those rare gems that come along like this movie, Glorious. It was a film I really enjoyed when I wasn't quite sure that I would. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Glorious, on Shudder. Check it out. Uh, you can check out more that's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page. We're always posting trailers to the latest movies and series coming out that uh, a lot we're going to be talking about. Share articles from various sources around the internet on the horror fantasy and science fiction that we all love and no matter where you listen to this podcast please uh, leave a review five stars would be awesome but uh, subscribe download uh, share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction we certainly would appreciate it coming up on thursday's show the scariest monsters in america it is a new documentary on Tubi of all places. We're going to talk about that and some of the films that may tie in with some of these scary monsters. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up on Thursday's show and we're going to have a random curiosity. This past Friday not only did we get Glorious but we got a bonus episode of The Sandman. So sometime in the middle of the week we're going to have a random curiosity talking about that uh, standalone episode 
of the Sandman as well. So lots to look forward to this week. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!